Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesper Baptist Church, continuing in our Sunday morning series on avoiding confusion. The title of the message this morning is The Distinctiveness of Gender in Marriage. There is much confusion on this subject, so we must seek clarity in God's Word. Please enjoy. He's right. I'm boxed in. I can't. Uh, I can't come out there and run the pews this morning. Run the aisle. So, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter one this morning. Genesis chapter one. We'll begin in Genesis chapter one, and then a little later in the service, we'll switch over. Switch over to Romans chapter one. So Genesis chapter one, and then Romans chapter uh, one after that. Uh, but we're going to begin in Genesis chapter one. While you're turning there, before I get into the message this morning, I feel led to just tell you, it's my job as pastor to give you this Bible. It's my job to tell you what the Word of God says. And it doesn't matter how I feel about it. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter how things in the Bible touch your life. The Bible doesn't change. The Bible is forever. The Bible does, it, it, it kind of doesn't care about your feelings. Because how you feel doesn't change the Bible. Culture does not change the Bible. Society does not change the Bible. The Bible, the Word of God, is eternal and it is unchanging. No matter how we may feel about something, we have to know what the Bible says, and that's my job. My job is to give you the Bible. With that in mind, if you have your places in Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to ask you to stand one last time in respect and reverence to the Word of God. We're going to read three verses this morning, starting in verse number 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We'll stop there. The title of the message that we're going to hear this morning from the Word of God is called The Distinctiveness of Gender and Marriage. The Distinctiveness of Gender and Marriage. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I do covet your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, I pray that the power of God would speak and move today in the Holy Spirit. You would grab our hearts and let us pay attention and learn what the Bible has to say. And Lord, if these are things that we already know, then Lord, we need to be reminded of what your word says. Lord, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we look in your Bible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We are in the middle of a series on Sunday morning called Avoiding Confusion. You know, as well as I know, that we, lived in a, we live in a very confused society. We live in a very confused culture. Just like it's amazing how many people on an aircraft carrier don't know who God is, has never heard of God, that is commonplace in today's society. You've got, when I was a, a youth pastor, and you'd have teenagers who never heard basic Bible stories that me and you know from youth. Didn't know, don't know who Adam and Eve is. Don't know these sort of things. Don't have these basic things anymore. And, and it's just amazing how confused our world is. Next week, I'm going to preach a sermon called, Who is Jesus? Who is 
Jesus. And it's all a part of this series of avoiding confusion. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to invite, I'd like every person in here to invite one person to church next week to hear that message on who is Jesus. I'd like you to invite one person. But you know what? Instead of asking you to raise your hand saying you'll invite some person, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you pray about uh, God sending someone your way that you can invite. Because I found that if you pray about it, God will send somebody by that you can invite to church next week. So if you'll promise me you'll pray about inviting someone, let me raise, let me see your hand. I promise I will pray about inviting someone next week. Thank you very much. But today, um, today we're going to talk about a biblical view on gender and marriage. I'm not going to give you Brett Martin's viewpoint. You don't want Brett Martin's viewpoint. You don't, want to hear, you don't want to hear my viewpoint on the subject. This isn't Brett Martin's viewpoint. I want to hear what God has to say about this very, very important subject that is so vital to what our world is going through today. We want to hear what God has to say about it. We learned a few weeks ago that a person can either have a secular worldview or a person can have a biblical worldview. Now, here's the thing. A secular worldview is swayed by society, is swayed by culture. So many churches out there today think that they have a biblical worldview, but their worldview is swayed by culture, it's swayed by society, and when your worldview is swayed by culture and society, then, then you don't have a biblical worldview. Because a biblical worldview does not change. The Bible does not change. Now, we've discussed several topics so far in this series. We've talked about the existence of God. We've talked about the reliability of the Bible and things such as that. But today, what we're going to talk about is God's plan for male and female. God's plan for male and female. 40 years ago, this would have been a very basic thing to teach. 40 years ago, a pastor probably would have mentioned this in a sermon, talked about it for five or ten minutes, and then moved on to something else. But in the society in which we live in today, it's something that we have to spend a whole service on. It's something we have to spend a whole message on talking about these things. There is a collision between the church and this new sexual ethic that's being pushed in our society. And what it's a collision of, it's a collision of revelation and revolution. It's a collision of revelation and revolution. And what this revolution wants to do is it wants to completely reorder society. It wants to completely reorder civilization. Now, before I get into this, let me stop. I have to stop and I have to say this. God loves everybody. Did you hear what I said this morning? God absolutely loves everybody. It doesn't matter uh, uh, what background you have. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter. He is not willing that any should perish. God loves absolutely everybody. He died for the sins of the whole world. And anybody is welcome in this church. Anybody can walk through that door and sit in these pews and anybody is welcome in this church. It doesn't matter what questions you have. It doesn't matter what struggles you have. That's the purpose of the church. We are here to help you as best we can from a biblical perspective. I am not here this morning promoting hate. I am not here this morning promoting hurt. I am promoting the healing that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about hate and it's not about hurt. It's about healing through Jesus. I hate no one. 
I hate no one. It doesn't matter what your struggle is. The church is here to help you. That's why God created the church. Now look, I'm going to go through this subject this morning, and I guarantee you everybody in this service has been touched in some way by something I'm going to talk about this morning. So maybe you're in here in this room and your life has been touched by divorce. Maybe your life has been touched by pornography. Maybe your life has been touched by a child going in a different direction. Let me hear you. Let me, let me tell you this morning that while we can love everybody, we can, we have to stand firm in our biblical convictions. We have to stand firm in our biblical convictions, and that's why I'm bringing this up. You cannot talk about a, having a biblical worldview without discussing this. You can't do it. You can't do it. We just read a couple verses in Genesis 1. That is God's plan. God has set forth a plan, and it is the plan of a man and a woman. This is the plan that some people would reject in their life. They will reject this plan for their life. Now, let me tell you something. In most cases, the corruption, it starts early in life. Maybe it starts with some sort of abuse as a child. Maybe it starts with the presence of pornography. Maybe it's the result of a confusing experience in life. But regardless of that, all of us have to agree that our children are being exposed to this very early on in life. And there are TV shows dedicated on kids' channels to promoting the fact that this alternative lifestyle is not sinful and it is acceptable. And it is not. Not according to this book. Not long ago, you may have heard about this, but Netflix brought and made a movie called Cuties. Cuties is about an immigrant, who, uh, a little immigrant, young immigrant girl who came, who's, lives in Paris. And in an order to rebel against her parents, she joins this little group called Cuties. And what this group of little girls do is they go around, little young girls, and dance very provocatively and, 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 and dance very seducingly. And it's the most ungodly, unbiblical thing you'll ever see. It is very wicked. It is very ungodly. So much so that there are members of Congress who are calling for censorship of this movie. There are many parents who have canceled their Netflix subscription. Many millennial parents who have canceled their next Netflix subscription. Now, look, I'm not getting up here and I'm not telling you to cancel Netflix. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling that you have to be very careful because this stuff is poison. This stuff will get in your mind. This stuff will get in the minds of your children and it will absolutely poison a family. Let me explain something. Children often mimic things they see on TV. Children will mimic things they see online. Children may even mimic a teacher in school. Parents, you have to be so careful. You are the gatekeeper. You are the gatekeeper of your children. Not Disney, not Nickelodeon, not YouTube, not Teletubbies. You are the gatekeepers of your children. You get to decide, not anybody else, not me, you. You get to decide what comes in your home. So God has a unique creation in us. He created us in his own image, and when he created us, he created us distinct. He created male and he created female and not 60 other things. He created male he created female. And when you look in this Bible, God strictly forbids the blurring of those lines. God forbids the blurring of the distinction between men and women. 
There are many social justice movements going on in our country today. And if you look on their website, what their, a statement on their website is they want to dismantle or destroy the nuclear family and they want to promote the queer nation. But let me tell you something, promoting an alternate lifestyle It's not a social issue. It's a sin issue. It's a sin issue. Just last year in France, they passed a law that parents can no longer be referred to as mother and father. Can't be referred to as mother and father. Because there was one transgender parent that got offended So they passed a law, and the whole nation had to change. Every government, every business, you can't say mother and father anymore. You have to say parent one or parent two. The whole nation has changed. I don't have to tell you that that's not far away from being in America. How in the world have we gotten to this place in our nation? How in the world have we gotten to this place in our culture, in our society? How how, how do we get here? Well, let me tell you something, because there have been attacks. There have been attacks on morality. There have been attacks on the family structure that God has ordained. Turn uh, turn to Romans chapter 1 if you haven't already. Romans chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses here. I'll give you just a second to get there because I want you to see it. Romans chapter 1. I'm going to start drinking my water from this side so you can see my little Charlie Brown. So, Romans chapter 1. We're going to be in reading in verse number 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over to the lusts in their own hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Look, we have seen in our society the removal of God. We have seen in our society the removal of God from not only our society, but from the consciences of men, and it's very, very obvious And what we see here in Romans chapter 1 is we see men turning to to futile reasoning and turning to idolatry. So the root of the problem we're talking about today, the root of it is a turning away from God. The root of this is a turning away from God. And when you turn away from God, when you turn away from the existence of God, you deny the existence of God, what you do is you start to worship the creature more than the creator. Okay? So then what happens is for this person, their science, their philosophy, their way of thinking becomes more important than the truth in God's word. So what's the next step after somebody turns away from God, they turn to their own reasoning, they make themselves an idol. What's the next step? The next step is a moral behavior, 
Verse 24. Vile impurity in the lusts of their heart. If there's no God in a person's life, there's no moral restraint. There's no moral restraint. If there is no presence of God in someone's life, there is no moral restraint in their own heart. And that's how these attacks come. So without God, there's no restraint. Now here comes what's next. First, the first thing that comes is the enticement to lust. The enticement to lust. Look, the enticement to lust is so much on the uptick in our society today. It's been up in our country through the pornography industry. It's been up through the Hollywood movie industries. It bombards our society with a sexual revolution. And what happens is, is people give themselves, they just give themselves over to their lust to where they begin to dishonor their bodies. And verse 26 says, God gave them over to degrading passions. Let me tell you what God does. God calls. God convicts. God warns. But there comes a point in a group of people, uh, there comes a point inside of a group of people where they quench God and they reject God so much that God says, okay, I'm done. I have given up on you. You want to live in, 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 uh, in bondage? Be my guest. And God literally gives up on people. He does. He gives up on them. Now, I don't know when that point is, but God gives them over to degrading passions. And what, what happens is, is these people, they have been swayed by a life of fornication. Okay, degrading passions, that's sexual immorality. In the KJV, it uses the word fornication. Fornication in the Greek is the word uh, por porneia. Pornea, and that's where we get, that's where we get, this speaks of pornography, adultery, homosexuality, bestiality, all of these things. Now look, we are so quick as Christians to jump on that homosexuality is wrong train. We are so, so quick to jump on that, but let's be clear, all relations outside of marriage is a sin. It's all sin. It's not that, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, I'm looking at Susie at work and I'm lusting after her, but surely that's not as bad as a homosexual really now. Sin is sin. It doesn't matter where you are on this side of the track. If you're over here, you are wrong. So we're so quick to jump on sins that we're, the, the, to holler about sins that we're not committing. But Jesus says you look after a woman, the lust is just as if you committed adultery with her. Sin is sin. Wrong is wrong. But what happens is at this point, there is just a surrender to these lusts. So if once you deny the existence of God and there's no presence of God, man, you just jump into these lusts. You, ever, you remember that back in the 90s? You remember those nasty iced tea commercials? Where you just, oh. <laughs> but uh, you, I used to do that in a pool. Back when I was a kid, the old nasty iced tea. Man, you did backbusters. It hurts, okay? But that's what they do is they just kind of dive into the lusts and they just give into them. So what's the next step after that? The next step after that is enticements to homosexuality. So then it follows a progression. A man that says no to God puts himself on a journey. That person puts themselves on a journey and they keep going down this road. Let's read verse 27 and 28 again in Romans 1. And likewise, the men, too, abandoned natural relations with the woman and burned in their desire one another, males with males, committing shameful acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did, see fit, did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. It is very clear in this Bible. And listen, not just in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's in Leviticus, but guess what? It's in the, it's in the New Testament too. 
It's in the New Testament. People love it. Oh, that argument is just Old Testament. No, it's all over the New Testament as well. I'm going to give you the scripture for it this morning. Not only what we just read. Let me also read for you 1 Corinthians 6.9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals. You can't get much clearer than that. So are we starting to see now the process that happens in a person's life when they reject God? There's an author by the name of Nathaniel Frank. He wrote a book entitled Awakening, How Gays and Lesbians Brought Marriage Equality to America. And in it, the Washington Post wrote an article about this book. Here's what the Washington Post wrote. In it, Frank stated, these activists didn't just want to create an alternative community for queer people. They aimed to remake society around the novel social arrangements they cherished, addressing human need and desire through broad community structures rather than monogamous nucleus families. According to Frank, the vision of the LGBTQ movement centered around a comprehensive reorientation of societal norms that had governed humanity since Adam and Eve. So the stated goal of the LGBTQ movement is to overthrow what started with Adam and Eve. And who created Adam and Eve? God. You know what this is saying? They don't want just a community amongst themselves. They want to restructure your community. They want to reorientate your community. They want to change you. They want to change you, okay? So the stated, so their stated goal is exactly what it says in Romans 1. It's the rejection of the Adam and Eve model which was given to us by God. And let me tell you something. They're winning. They're winning. They're getting what they want. You know, 32% of Gen Xers do not believe homosexuality is a sin. That is proof that they are gaining ground and winning their battle. That that their goal is being achieved in the hearts of of the youth in America. What does the Bible say about it? Isaiah 5.20 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Society is trying to indoctrinate in you and in our children that these things are normal and that the Bible is wrong. We've got things like Gay Pride Month and uh, gay characters in movie and TVs. Every new show's got at least one. And it's in order to teach you and your family that this is normal. It's, it's normal to be this way. There's nothing wrong with it. And the indoctrination of our families is working. Many would say this. I was born that way. I can't help but I was born that way. Now, my answer to that is, really? You mean to tell me you were born a sinner? Join the club. We were all born sinners. But I want to read you something. Recently, John Hopkins School of Medicine and Albert Einstein College of Medicine, they came out with an article that was written by Dr. Lawrence Mayer. Okay? And and he said this. Homosexuality is a result of environmental factors and personal choice. And the fact of the matter is, it is a choice. Every decision in life is a choice. There was a commercial, a church put out a commercial recently, and it was Jesus as a woman wearing a dress with a a woman's figure. And the point of it was to... Uh, show that they were a welcoming type church. And so many churches today are, are, are going after secularism for their worldview and not looking at the Bible. Not this church. Not while I'm your pastor. 
We're going to get our worldview from this book. So, what's going on here? There's an attack on the maker. There's an attack on the maker. And the first way that attack comes is an attack on marriage. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. They have taken this fight. We've been fighting this battle as Christians. We've been fighting this battle for a long time. We have. But what they've done is they've taken this past homosexuality. They've actually found a way to push past it. And what they've done is, is they've pushed past it in, the, in, in a rejection of a God-given identity. They rejected a God-given identity. This is a rejection of the maker. And this comes in the form of transgenderism. Now, when I was a, when I was a teenager... If you wanted to look cool, man, you had them big CB antennas on your truck. The, the taller the antenna, the better. When you went through the drive-thru, it slapped the little thing. You had the CB in your truck. You had the gun rack on, on, on the back of, of your thing. On the, well, I had a gun rack when I was a teenager. Had on the back glass of my truck. Man, that's how you looked cool when I was a teenager. Now, if you want to look cool, be queer. That's how you look cool. And that's what the message has been given to young people today. So now we have pushed past gay TV shows, and now we're watching shows where we're following somebody's journey on changing their gender, where we're following somebody's journey to be transgender. So let's look at this attack. Let me make this statement. God determines gender identity. God determines gender, gender identity. God is not the author of confusion. So if someone is experiencing gender confusion, they are under some form of satanic attack. They are under a form of satanic attack or they are under the influence of somebody or something that is anti-God and anti-Bible because God is not the author of confusion. And when somebody is confused about this very basic thing, we don't need to throw guilt on them, but we need to stand firm that God did not cause this confusion. Mark 10, 6, but from the beginning of creation, God created them male and female. He created a man to be male. He created a woman to be female. He created masculinity. He created femininity. He ordained them, and there are no other options. There are no other options. I watched, a, I, I, I posted a, a meme a couple years ago of this British woman sitting down explaining uh, these, these, these different, all these different 60 different genders now to children. And the, 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 you know who she was explaining it to? A little boy and a little girl. Right there, there was only two that she was explaining it to. God determines gender identity. He created man. He created woman. He gave us the same human nature. Adam and Eve, they, they were like God in that they could reason with moral intellect. They could love. They could feel emotion. Things such as that. So we have the same human nature, but we have distinct physical designs. We have distinct physical designs. Like I said, masculinity and femininity are God-ordained. You know what the word male means in Hebrew? Male means to remember. You know what female means? Female means distinct from male. We are created with distinction. That's what we, we are created with. Psalms 139.14 I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. God does not make junk. If you are a woman, don't you dare ever in your life be ashamed of being a woman. If you are a man, 
Do not let people make you feel less for being. Do not apologize for being a man. If you are black, do not apologize for being black. If you are white, do not apologize for being white. Do not apologize for being who God created you to be. Do not be ashamed of that. Why? Because God does not make mistakes and God has a purpose. All this speech from the media, it's not designed to bring us together. It's designed to be divisive. It's divine to divide us. And we as Christians need to say, I am not playing by that game anymore. I am not playing by that game. I get my worldview from the Bible. I don't get it from Hollywood. I don't get it from the media and not just CNN. I don't get my worldview from Fox News either. I get my worldview from the Bible. We are awesomely and we are wonderfully made by God. And anybody who wants to change their gender identity wants to reject the identity that God gave them. And it is, it is a rebellion against something that God ordained. God determines gender, gender identity. Secondly, Satan causes gender confusion. Satan causes gender confusion. That's what Satan does. He causes confusion. John 8, 44. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the same desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Old smutty face himself. You know what Billy, you know what Billy Sunday used to say about the devil? Billy Sunday used to say, I hate the devil. I hate the devil. I'm going to hit him till my fist is gone, kick him till my foot is gone, I'm going to bite him till my teeth are gone, and then I'm going to gum him to death. I hate the devil. And you should hate the devil too. You should hate the devil too because he is a liar. They keep adding a new letter. I'm sure we'll have a new letter in a few months. But the acronym LGBTQ. You know what the most radical letter in that acronym is? It's T. T that stands for transgenderism. Why? Because it is an attempt not to just define, define sexual, human sexuality. Is it an attempt to redefine humanity itself? There's a tennis player. Her name is uh, Martina Naratolova. It's hard to pronounce that last name. But she's a very good tennis player. She's won Wimbledon nine times. She's a lesbian. She is a spokesman for gays in sports. She's a very good tennis player. One day, a man wanted to identify as a woman and play in her tennis tournament. She tweeted, you can't just decide one day you're a man and then compete with women. She started to get booed in her matches. They kicked her off her, her, her sponsorship, her spokesmanship. She's not a spokesperson anymore. Hmm. Last year, while the world slept, the Supreme Court of British Columbia, Canada, ruled that a 14-year-old girl could get testosterone injections without parental consent. See, the court declared that if her parents referred to her using female pronouns or addressing her by her birth name, the parents could be charged with family violence. You see, she went to the, the little girl went to the, the school's counselor, and the counselor at the school encouraged her to identify as a boy as early as seventh grade. And do not tell me it doesn't matter where they go to school. Don't tell me that. These are attacks on our faith. These are attacks on our faith. And then we have attacks on marriage. 
So let's look at this progression. So we have the sexual revolution. Now it's the changing of one's gender. And now we're going to attack what God ordained between a man and a woman. This has become an attack on marriage. Genesis 2 21 through 24. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Then the man said, At last this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they too shall become one flesh you know why Adam called her a woman because he looked at her and said whoa man that's why, that's why he called her a woman but boom God created marriage right there that's the first marriage ceremony in history God created Adam and Eve and brought them together now I want you to remember this I want you to remember this Marriage was not created by man. Marriage was created by God. It is God's institution. God ordained it. God did, not man. That's why courts and countries have no say-so in this, because they didn't create marriage. God did. They have no authority over something that God ordained because God established marriage. And the purpose of marriage is so that we can glorify God. And the purpose of marriage is just is a picture of Christ and his bride, the church. And, is a, and, and, and we want to keep our marriages strong. Why? Because it's a testimony for Christ. Your marriage to your spouse is a testimony for Jesus Christ. And that's why we want to keep marriages strong. Matthew 19, 5 through 6, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no man is to celebrate. Next year, me and Emily are going to celebrate 15 years of marriage. Has every day been easy? No! no I'm just kidding. <laughs> has every day been easy? No. Not every day has been easy. But guess what? God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. I heard about a couple who just celebrated their 50-year wedding anniversary. They're both lying in bed. And the wife says to the husband, she says, you remember when you used to, used to stroke my hair? Now, he's not stupid. He, he took the hint, and he went over there, and he started stroking his wife's hair. And then in a few moments, she said, man, do you remember when we used to cuddle? Once again, he took the hint. He rolled over her and put his arm around her and began to cuddle. And then she said, man, do you remember when you used to nibble on my ear? He threw the covers off and got out of bed. And she said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going to go get my teeth. <laughs> now, wherever you're going, you know. Hey, look, it's a blessing to honor marriage. It's a blessing to honor marriage. Why? Because God established marriage. But you see... God establishes marriage, but guess what Satan does? Satan attacks marriage. Romans 6.12, Therefore sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. For many today, marriage has become irrelevant. Oh, we're just going to shack up. We don't have to get married. Or if we get married, we'll lose our checks. Uh-oh, stepping on some toes. If I don't get married, we'll lose our checks. Man, marriage has just become irrelevant. Throw marriage to the side. But God has ordained male and female, man and woman, to come together to honor God. And I'm sorry, I am sorry, same-sex marriage is against the plan of God. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I'm sorry. 
the Bible is very clear on this. And look, through all, look, we're being attacked today. So you say, Brother Brett, what can I do? What can I do about this? I've got very quickly, I'm not going to fix and start a whole new message. Very quickly, I've got five very quick things that you can do to strengthen your family and to strengthen our society. I've got five very quick things you can do. Number one, walk under God's control. Possess your body. Walk under God's control. So, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Uh, but I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. One of the most confusing things for a child is when a leader falls. Falls in sin. Messes up. Also, what's confusing is when mom and dad fall in sin. And when mom and dad mess up. And when mom and dad don't practice what they preach. Okay? That is very confusing. Parents, we have to keep our testimonies before our children. We have to. We have to keep our testimony before our children. We must stay faithful in this culture. Your, your kids need to see you stand up and stay faithful. Number two. Model and encourage our God-given roles. We have to give kids a proper role models. And Proverbs 31 talks about the virtuous woman. She's smart. She loves her, her husband. She takes care of her house. I don't have to say it back to you. Go read the chapter. But don't read the chapter and say, oh, there's no way I can do that. Yes, you can. With God's grace, you absolutely can. In Ephesians 6, we see that the father is not to provoke his children to wrath. He's supposed to be an example of steadiness. He's supposed to provide love and nurture and admonition. He's supposed to supply correction in the home. The father is the authority in the home. We have to get back to the basics of models and being the men and women that God wants us to be according to Scripture. We desperately need that. Number three, love our spouse with Christ-like love. If you want to know how to do that, you can read Ephesians 5. Love your spouse with Christ-like love. Look, there are going to come difficult times in your marriage. Do me a favor. When, they, when difficult times arise, take it away from the kids. Don't have a knockdown drag out there in front of your children. Don't do that. Take it away from the kids. And look, if, if you're going to have that type of intense difficulty, separate and go pray. Pray about it. I guarantee you that if you've prayed about it for a few minutes, you're going to be a lot calmer. Okay? Get counseling if you have to. But listen, husband, wife, your love for each other needs to grow. Number four, beware of social engineering. What that means is media, corporate dogma, and it's this idea of tolerating every lifestyle except for the biblical one. Now, isn't that interesting how everybody preaches tolerance, but you can be tolerant on everything except for what this Bible teaches. For this, you have to be intolerant. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do not let these worldly institutions define your worldview. It doesn't matter what Hollywood says. It doesn't matter what the media says. It doesn't matter what the government says. The only thing that matters is what the Bible says. You know what we need is we need a dad that will get up off the couch and go turn the TV off when something comes on that is perverse and should not be in your home. You know what we need? We need leaders in the home who will be at the movie theater and see something come on the movie screen that isn't right. We need you to stand up and take your family out of that movie theater no matter how much you paid for the tickets because some things are more important than money. Some things are more important than money. 
couple years ago, I saw a video of, 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 a, of a father. They were watching a movie, and then they, it came on something satanic, and it came on. They brought out the Ouija board. And you know what this dad did? He stood up in front of everybody, and he marched his kids right out of the theater. Because let me tell you something. That's a dad right there. You're the gatekeeper, Mom and Dad. You are. Some things are more important than money. And then number five, you have to make sure you have turned to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. Listen, we are all sinners. We are all sinners. We are not better than whoremongers. We are not better than homosexuals. That's not the point of this message. We are all fallen and we all need Jesus. We are for none, for all the sin to come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned, and because we've sinned, we deserve death. For the wages of sin is death. That is death. That is spiritual death. And, and, and the Bible says in death and hell, we're cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Because of my sin, my wages for that sin is death. But the wages... For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He, he, is, he is, has a gift for us. And that is the gift of salvation. And if you're struggling today to make spiritual decisions, you need to examine yourself. You need to examine and make sure that there's been a time in your life where you've acknowledged your sin to Jesus and accepted Him as your personal Savior. Have you ever done that? Because listen, it doesn't matter what your struggle is, Jesus will receive you. We have a very wrong, listen to me, listen to me, I'm almost done, listen to me. We have a very, very wrong idea in the world today, and it's that I have to clean my life up before I come to Jesus, and that's wrong thinking. You don't do that. You go to Jesus, and he'll help you clean your life up. You know what our primary message should be? Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And if you've never accepted Christ, I give you an invitation today to come to Jesus. Let him touch you and change your life for all of eternity.